Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the second hour of Ghost Chronicles Radio right here on Tojanet Emperor X Radio. I am Ron Kolick, and with me, my lovely co-host, the blonde bombshell herself, Ann Carrigan. Well, hello. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Did you recover from the, the double duty you did last week for oh. the ailing, Steve? My God. Yes, barely. It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was fun. It was different. We, uh, <laughs> If you haven't seen the show or listened to the show, then uh, check it out on wherever you get your podcast, Ghost Chronicles International, uh, and filled in, and we talked about strange stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, I know. Well, I would you expect anything less <laughs> than <laughs> anyway, our weird we stuff? We do have a guest today, and uh, he is someone I've known for a long time. He... I drove him out of New England, and he's living <laughs> far away now. And, and he is a uh, a magician. He's a a vampire. Uh, he is Vlad. Greetings, greetings. I I, I think that the snow drove me more out of New England. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I heard you eating my share of lobsters there, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> You, uh, I hear you got some snow down here this uh, winter. There was they they panicked down here because it's sort of like I I mean I lived in in Haverhill and then I lived in North Andover and then I lived in Lowell so I saw the varying degrees of snow in <laughs> Massachusetts. So uh, when I moved down here, I I, I wasn't used to uh, the threaten of flurries. Uh, causing a panic, much like a hurricane down here, and you know them emptying store shelves. And uh, one year they had they had ice, but it did not go away for like two days, Uh-oh. and it was pretty much like a state of emergency because they don't they don't have salt trucks because I guess they're afraid that it's going to get into the water table, mm-hmm. and no one owns plows, and yeah, so they were better pretty much just stay home, you know. <laughs> are you in North Carolina? Is that where you are? I am. I am in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, that's where my son lives. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh. It's pretty. It's got a lot of history and spookiness yes. and all kinds of good things. So. Yeah, the downtown's very cool, very historic, mm-hmm. very spooky. Uh, yeah. We were just there visiting uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I was trying to drag them all on a ghost tour on a, actually a haunted pub crawl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they have uh, have the, yes. They have the ghost tours and the haunted pub calls. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were leaning I t- towards I tried to, the pub I crawl. I tried to tie in with them and and do my sort of haunted magic with them, and mm-hmm. they were pretty much like we don't we don't share our pie with anyone. It's, oh, if it's our show, we do our thing, and I'm like, it would go so well together, and they're like, yeah, uh, no, we don't share, you know. <laughs> ah, what a bummer. What a bummer. So I end up doing most of my things down towards Myrtle Beach, or or yeah. I've been doing quite a lot of things up in Baltimore, Maryland. So you know, oh, okay. up with so. with Mr. Poe. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I I go up there and I did the for the last three years I've done the uh, international egg Allen Poe festival that they have there each year. Ooh, I've oh, cool. Got to do uh, some some magic actually in the Poe house and at Poe's grave. So that was kind nice. of yeah, kind of fun and entertaining. You know? Yeah, that's and most a go. Which which grave? There's two, and I go. There are, there yeah, there are two. <laughs> I go, yeah, they're in the same cemetery. <laughs> they are. I visited there a few years ago. I was down in Baltimore at a conference, and um, mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to hightail it up there. The, the hotel was just down the street. And yeah. I'm like, I'll be back. I, I got to go visit someone <laughs> in a cemetery. <laughs> I have to visit a friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a cool spot. It, it was is. so it's- funny. Some ladies, literally, I was taking pictures of the grave, which is right by, like, the gate on the side Mm -hmm. and a lady literally stopped her car threw on the flashers jumped out ran over and took a picture of the monument people are honking and beeping she's like i couldn't i couldn't pass by and not take a picture jumps back on your car and off she goes (laughs) it's so funny it's interesting it's historic and i mean it's sort of like you wouldn't you know if you didn't know was there i don't know if you'd you'd pick up on it because it's sort of in the middle of everything. It is. Yeah. I mean, almost the same way as when I, I did a magic conference in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I asked them, I said, where's the Alamo? And they went right down the road. And I go, where? Uh-huh. I go, this is all the city. And they're like, yeah, it's in the middle of the city. I go, I'm uh-huh. expecting Clint Eastwood, like out in the middle of the desert, you know, with, you know, tumbleweeds. With, yeah. You know, that's what <laughs> what I grew up with, with all the Clint Eastwood Westerns and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. They're like, no, it's right next to Ripley's, believe it or not. I go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> ah. wow. That's painful. So, so what, what, what type of uh, magic show are you doing? You deal with bizarre magic is for, uh, I do bizarre, but I had been doing like a lot of things that had to do with true life, incorporating true life hauntings and things like that, like Waverly Institute and, uh, really? you know, a lot of different places like that, you know, in the show and, uh, um, you know, different places, Gettysburg and, uh, you know, different haunted locations like that. Mm-hmm. But recently I've been real more fascinated with doing shows that are, uh, traditional tying in traditional classic ghost stories. Ooh. Um, just because I'm more fascinated with, you know, the atmosphere and the ambiance and everything of uh, M.R. James and some of the other classic ghost stories. And, you know, I mean, if I can get people to pick a book up and, and read literature and sort of be get out away the classic tale, then, you know, makes me happy. People don't have books anymore. They have Kindles. They don't. They look at me. I mean, I was I did a show when I was doing a show in Salem. I mean, this is sort of like I always use this as an example because it was so much of a culture shock for me. Um, we were doing a show in downtown Salem like we did for 10 years. And a couple came up with, with small children, and they, they looked at our poster, and uh, they said, well, we see the other guys, and then there's you, you know, in vampire attire, and it doesn't say it's family-friendly. I said, <clears throat> because mine really isn't. <laughs> and they said well why would you say that you know because i guess they were shocked that someone 
would, in the middle of Salem, not try and do the hard sell and sell them a ticket. You know, mm-hmm. here I am, like, trying to shoo them away. Yeah, I said, get well, lost. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, I said, and I'll tell you, I said, I'll explain it to you. I said, so you don't feel slighted. I said, mm-hmm. it's not that I use gore or foul language or anything offensive. I said, it, it, except for, you know, references to history. Um, I said, it's the point is when I reference either historical places or uh, a comment about um, something in literature, I said, I, uh, I'm just sort of guessing most children haven't read Edgar Allan Poe. Not lately. And they both looked at me and said, we Ooh. haven't either. <laughs> and, I'm like, oh. and I'm like, well, then my show is not for any of you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah, they didn't I'm like, go, you know, if I, Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have, if, if you haven't read Edgar Allan Poe, I know there's no chance you've read, like, Mary Shelley or Stoker or any, right. you know, any of the other ones, because <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, I tried to read Frankenstein or Dracula, but the language was just so hard to get through. And I'm like, mm, it was yeah, I know it's English. Victorian time. Yeah. <laughs> Actual English. <laughs> you know, Vlad, I still have, uh, uh, you came up uh, and did an event for me, uh, Dining with the Dead, uh, years and years and years ago. I did. And, and uh, I still have the uh, the note uh, from the Lizzie Borden house where the, the, mm. the bloody appeared yeah that was that was cool i mean that's that's what i was introduced to you guys uh you and rich yeah. and, and um uh Steve Gibbs. That you did it yeah. was you know it's like I, I miss being up there being able to partake in all of that good stuff. yeah we miss you too because you definitely have a niche if you haven't seen vlad any of vlad shows you should definitely go i mean he's a he's a great guy he's, he puts on a, a great uh, performance. Yes, it is a performance. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Yes. But, you know, uh, I, try and, I try and tell people it's an experience. I go, you know what? I, that, it, that's it, a better it, way I, of putting it. Yeah, I, because it's my job to make people wonder whether there might still be monsters under their bed. Because yeah. <laughs> people have gotten too comfortable. They're just like, you know what? I go on Facebook. I go on Twitter. I do Instagram. And there's nothing new for me, you know, and I go, mm-hmm. no, there's a whole world of the unexplained out there that oh, sure. is just, mm-hmm. you might, you might not believe in it, but it might believe in you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, the thing is, you know, I had, uh, Steve Gibson came up and did a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a class, or I guess, uh, not a class, but a, a presentation mm-hmm. at Spirit Quest, uh, I think about two or three years ago. And there were people who actually thought that the they he was psychic and that he actually had psychic abilities and, yeah. and so forth mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it, that's that's how real this this stuff is it's really really interesting and the cool thing about it is that and what you do can also explain some of the paranormal that occurs especially mm-hmm. uh with people who are uh, not legit. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know several parapsychologists. Well, for instance, uh, Lloyd Arbrack is, is a magician. Well, he studied uh, magic, so he mm-hmm. he's a, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's a valuable tool as well. Yeah, 
I mean, I was I was in the uh, when I belonged to the Society of American Magicians. I was in the um, parapsychology investigation group that Houdini had Ooh. set up. Really? It was like, yeah. Me? So it was, they had still continued it. They didn't make a big thing about it because, mm-hmm. you know, it was explained to me when they asked me to be part of it. They said, um, we all, I go, so when do we get to do investigations? And they <laughs> go, um, we don't, we don't actively do investigations. <laughs> We, we wait and wait for someone to invite us to investigate them. Oh, okay. Oh. I go, so this is legalese, isn't it? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be sued by having someone say we slandered them oh. or anything mm-hmm. else. Because, oh. you know, in Houdini's day, you could just expose someone that was fraudulent. But these days, if you are affecting their income in a negative way, you know, of course, everything you own or could own in the future, like, might be garnished. So mm-hmm. they're like, we, we keep a down low on this. And, uh, you know, if someone asks us to investigate and validate them, we will, of course, take them up on it. But uh, mm-hmm. we sort of, you know, we do mostly research now. And I go, okay, you know. Were you? Did you ever go on an investigation, Vlad? No, they not with them. No, I've gone on other, you know, investigations for things, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, like with other parapsychology groups and stuff. I did one down in uh, down towards Queens. We did an investigation at a place that uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano owned. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so, you know, they're like, well, when you go downstairs, uh, just be careful when you walk towards, uh, you know, they go, there's a lot of stuff happens in the basement, you know, and it's like this old school, like mobster type attitude, you know, <laughs> so what, what are you trying to tell me? And he goes, well, um, you know, we had to replace the freezers that were downstairs. Ew. I, go, I go, why? And he goes, well, to put it this way, some of the people had discussions downstairs. Like, <laughs> three, three go down and two come up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh and then my upstairs, God. you could see there were bullet holes like in the bricks. Oh. And then Neat. they said, well, you know, towards the kitchen, there's a lot of stuff happens towards the kitchen. And of course, we're trying to use all the equipment we have on hand, you mm-hmm. know, to check everything, recorders and everything else. And nothing's showing up on the recorders. And I'm like, well, you said by the kitchen. And he goes, yeah, there's always stuff going on towards the kitchen. So, I mean, it was one of those doors that there was only one way into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there's there's no back way out of the kitchen. It's like you walked into the kitchen, you were in the kitchen, and you had to come back out of the kitchen. So mm-hmm. nobody was in the kitchen, and we're packing everything up. And all of a sudden, from inside the kitchen, against those, like, double-way barrel door hinges, the ones with the oh, yeah. springs. Yeah. Yep. The door the door flew open from in the kitchen. Oh. And I'm like, damn it. I'm like, right. just as everything gets packed away. Every time. <laughs> and I'm like, it was sort of one of those type things going, yeah, you didn't think anyone was thinking was here, but we're going to prove to you that we are. <laughs> you know? uh, just one last okay. one for the road. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I saw it. I believe you. I'm like, <laughs> it's the same way at Gettysburg. You know, people go, well, you don't believe that stuff in Gettysburg. I go, if you walk around Gettysburg, um, I don't need to prove anything to you. Like, you <clears> just <throat> need to go to Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's what the paranormal is. It's really a personal experience to me. It is. You know. Yeah. And that's why I try and leave people with, because it's like I want them to walk out of. I don't, you know. And I never was fascinated with the like traditional magic thing, where pick a card, put the card back in a deck. Now, ooh, look how clever I am. Here's your card. Because people are like, my life is busy. Why did I just waste five minutes by you finding a card? <laughs> you know, but I'm like, if I talk about, you know, here's a bullet that was dug out from the wall of the Jenny Wade house. Let's see if it like, holds any res- residual, like, you know, information. You know, or here's a, a piece of the flooring from Waverly Institute. Or here's something from, you know, Danvers. You know, things like those, it's, it leads people to want to explore. And when they're walking out, like, hopefully I've left them with that, like, slightly uneasy feeling. And, and they'll talk. As they walk out, they'll talk amongst themselves and go, did you see that? No, I don't know if I really saw that. Do you really <laughs> think it would happen again? You know, it's like rather than, wow, that was clever. How did he find that card? <laughs> <laughs> And that's always our joke. It's like sort of like, you know, like, oh, we're going to summon the spirits from beyond. There will be a range of spirits amongst us walking among you. And the card was the three of clubs. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) They want to be summoned from beyond for them to tell you what your card is. That's just (laughs) the way. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So what, what can people kind of expect from your show I see my I see my evenings so each mm-hmm. evening will be themed like I'm working on I'm just getting the final pieces to and you know which which some people will know immediately and other people might not but hopefully they'll want to know more like I'm doing an evening of MR James mm-hmm. which were the old school classic ghost stories um, and then I have one that's set up to do uh, for Christmas time uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, Hauntings. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, so, like, they're all themed evenings. So hopefully, you know, it's like there will be an evening of Poe. There's an evening of M.R. James. And I I tell the tales. And during talking about the story, you know, we all of a sudden, you know, I'll give a little intro of the story. And then I have an item or an artifact, which we'll explore together. And we to find more about the story, you know, and they can experience part of what hopefully the, the author was trying to give them in the story. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it's so important that you use the proper terminology, like you just demonstrated that with what you said, an, an item versus an artifact. In other words, you say here, mm-hmm. I want you to hold this item from the Whaley House, for instance, or I want you to hold this artifact from the the Whaley House, and and it brings a whole a different connotation. Right. Uh, it takes them more into the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I don't want to set up any red flags because, you know, that was always when I had done the New York Renaissance Fair for a number of years, and you know, you had to make sure you used the proper verbi verbiage, and you know, the mm-hmm. thou thy, you know, and all of the other things, and you, you know, depending on your job at the fair, you could only wear certain colors depending on <laughs> what, what what level of society you were in. Ah. You know, I always got, I always got around it, and because they were like, "Well, why are you wearing crimson?" I go, "Because mm-hmm. I'm working with the Inquisition." 
<laughs> oh, okay. We're gonna we're not gonna talk to you because those are the guys that have the power more than the throne because they can read and write. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, that's so. Yeah. That's Have you cool. always been interested in, in costumes and, and dressing up? Yeah, because there, there's there's early pictures of me, you know, probably at four years old in a Batman outfit, you know, <laughs> back in the day, the Adam West Batman outfit. But, you know, oh, sweet. <laughs> and doing that. And I've always been interested in um, horror, you know, horror magazines, horror comic mm-hmm. books. My mm-hmm. grandmother sat me down when I was five and let me watch Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. Oh. And that was my biggest thing, like sort of like when I, when we used to have, you know, and I know like this will date me, but um, when they used to have these scholastic book fairs. Oh yeah. (laughs) At the school. And you know, like we used to like, you'd have a break in your classroom to go shopping for books. Oh, I love that. You know, and I would, I would (laughs) grab Edgar Allan Poe or I would grab like, they had like the, early version for kids of Alfred Hitchcock ghost stories. Lovecraft. You know, and I get, yeah. Well, they didn't have Lovecraft because I think, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, now we get into all kinds of stuff about yeah, that's people trying to shy away from Lovecraft because they're like, yeah. well, Lovecraft was a, you know, for his, you know, kind of like racist ideas. And I'm like, oh, no, please. I go, unfortunately, like, you know, during his time period, that wasn't that like shocking. Right. Exactly. It's, it's so easy to judge the past from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like sort of like you know, you're trying to carry three things from the kitchen, and you get halfway through there and you drop one, and you go, "I really should only carry two. Mm-hmm. But you know, at that point in time, you thought three was a good idea. You know, until right. you drop one. It's like so right. you, you you can only learn from your your mistake at the time. So that's a great analogy, uh, Lad. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. So I, tr- I tried to, you know, I tried Love uh, Lovecraft was later on, and it's Lovecraft for some reason, even today, not as, I like him, his stuff is, feels more science fiction. Science fiction, yeah, yeah, definitely exactly. science fiction, yeah. So it's like, I rather, you know, Poe and M.R. James and mm-hmm. Ambrose Bierce and some of the other um, classic ghost people, rather than, you know... Some of some of the like, you know, the ones that were borderline. I guess you know they were fantasy authors at right. the time, like Jules Verne. Right. Yeah, I mean they're, yeah. they're entertaining, but it's like sort of like to me, you know, to present them, we're crossing into, you know, now we're now we're into like the the steampunk. Right. Like, yeah. I love steam, I love steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's like sort of like you know what there are people that are already doing it. So I would rather sort of stay true, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, doing a sales pitch, but I'd rather Mm -hmm. stay true to my brand and keep Mm -hmm. it where it's like Victorian, creepy, ghosty horror, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than going, well, he does science fiction, too, you know. So why did you settle on Vlad and and, uh, that period? Back, Back when Bizarre Magic first started. It was it was an offshoot of traditional stage magic, but it was people. Many people felt magic was getting lumped in too much with kid shows, juggling, balloon twisting, <laughs> and it wasn't serious magic anymore. Like where, 
you know, they were they were away from the Dante Thurston powerful magician and more like, you know, a universal entertainer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they came up with this concept of bizarre magic, which was blending horror and things like that and uh, sorcery and which but there's even a category now called folk horror, which is folk tales mixed with horror. So those type things, like old urban legends and things with magic. But the archetypes of the traditional bizarre magicians were either a historian from Miskatonic University or a vampire slayer or, you know, which would have fit right in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or like a sorcerer or, you know, a shaman. And I'm like, I don't really fit into any of those. I'm like... I got into magic from being a haunter. Mm-hmm. So none of those characters really worked for me. And I go, well, what about instead of a vampire hunter, what about a vampire? Because mm-hmm. now we have any kind of time period I could have lived through and or acquired an object. And, I have all of this experience, you know, and, and, and a vampire that's lived for hundreds of years might think it's highly entertaining to do what appears to be stage magic, but is actually tied to the vampiric knowledge, you know, hypnosis and mm-hmm. being able to move quickly and move objects. But it would be entertaining to taunt the humans by being able to do vampire stuff <laughs> that they would appear to think was stage magic. So I created the whole mythos of, you know, hey, it's a vampire that's taunting humans by doing vampire things that they think is magic. Well, I'm going to taunt you now because we have to take a break. (laughs) So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Deanna Ron right here on Tojanet Pararex Radio. Brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. Our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, You too could become a member. Join then. We are talking to Vlad, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. 
Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guest this evening, Vlad, the gothic vampire magician. Aha. Isn't that apropos? That was a theme to Van Helsing. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So keep keep that in mind. <laughs> so, so what came first, the vampire lifestyle or the vampire magician? Uh, the Haunter came first, and then through ah. the haunting, I started going to. Um, so you you have to you have to define you have to define what a haunter is for some of our listeners. Haunters are people that build either at in their I mean there there are different levels of entry. We have the home haunter, which are people that do a haunted display in their yard or at their house, <laughs> and then we have people that do haunted attractions, which are a standalone thing with several buildings where, you know, you go to, go see several shows and there might be a, um, a hayride or a walkthrough like trail. And then there are usually at some of the places there are like usually three or four houses. And then there's haunted theme parks, which we have Bush gardens and universal studios do them. Um, and, uh, you know, several of the other ones, uh, spooky, Spooky World was in Massachusetts and uh, mm -hmm. Nightmare New England, uh, Freight Kingdom, which I worked a number of times. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then there's a couple of haunted museums in Salem. There's uh, the yeah. International Monster Museum and uh, Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. And yes. Things like yes. that. So, Been there. I, I used to work at uh, Ghoulie Manor for a couple okay, of years cool. over in Taunton. Yeah, very uh, cool. They are no more, unfortunately, but it was a fun time while it lasted. I just did the, I did makeup. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was that's, fun. That's how I got started in haunting, was doing the special effects. Really? And, uh, and makeup and, you know, doing the things. And then I branched off from there and started doing uh, the theatrical illusions of the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the gentlemen that had run the haunted attraction said, you know, you might want to actually start doing magic. And I go, what do you what do you mean start doing magic <laughs> I go, don't you have to be i go well because you know in my mind i'm like it's it's so hush hush it's like don't you have to be the seventh son of the seventh son and they candlelight <laughs> out to the middle of the grove and you know indoctrinate you and he goes no you find a mentor and you go to meetings and, uh, you've shattered the illusion and he goes, well, Thankfully, he was good friends with a Las Vegas uh, magician named Jeff, Jeff McBride, who uh, runs the Magic Mystery School out in Las Vegas. And uh, him and Max Maven and Eugene Berger sort of became my mentors. And I created oh, wow. the uh, 
my first incarnation was, you know, I had the name already because it was a name I used from the Haunted Attraction. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. my first incarnation was sort of like I was more of a takeoff of Vincent Price meets um, Rod Serling from the Night Gallery. Oh, wow. You know, and then from there, I started getting darker and creepier. Like, so, you know, it still has, you know, the taste of Vincent Price because, you know, you never want to just be all out over the top hardcore because there's there's no breaking of tension. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the like peaks and valleys where there's a lull. You know, it's like a roller coaster. You don't have just all up. There has to be a point where you yeah. come down. So, <laughs> right. You know, and even in the haunted attractions, you know, you have one part where all of a sudden there's, you know, like light music where you're walking through a nursery and there's a cute little child in there. And all of a sudden, you know, as you go to walk through the door, like what you thought was the closet opens up and some kind of a beast comes out, you know, so. it's right. you know. <laughs> Exactly. And I, yeah. So, I, you know, that's how I got into magic, you know, and then from there going to these haunted, like, horror conventions, you know, I ran to some people that were in the vampire, actual real vampire community, and they were like, well, you know, like, would you like to be part of this? And I go, mm, I need to come and see it, because... Yeah, I, good I, idea. <laughs> well, my in my mind, I'm like, it's going to be eight guys sitting there playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I go, you know, I sort of need to, before I commit to anything, I need to, you know, um, uh, I grew up in Westchester, New York, right down the road from Sleepy Holly. Hollow, so yeah. it's sort uh, of like, <laughs> you need, I need to know, I need to see the terrain before I'm going for the ride across that bridge. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. And, and then I got involved in it and it was, you know, it was like, it was a good, you know, it was a good experience because you were. You know, you could explore parapsychology and different things like that. And, you know, I I investigated the whole thing about, you know, the the myth of the vampire and, uh, you know, the the sociological, you know, construct of, you know, blood energy and magic and it's tied to the Bible and, you know, like blood and being sacred and all the other things like that. Oh, yeah investigated it, you know, and, and and then came across like, you know, that, that a lot of it was a metaphor, you know, that the Stoker things were tied to a lot of his upbringing in Christianity, you know, the things with, you know, the stake and, you know, that didn't, that didn't come from Romania, it came from Stoker, because Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be a piece of the sacred cross that, that killed him, and same way with the sunlight, and the same way with running water and, you know, no reflection because a vampire doesn't have a soul. And all of those were tied to, you know, Stoker's belief because, you know, of course, he was Irish. So mm-hmm. the church had a little bit of an influence on him. So, yeah. Just a little. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and Victorian society, I mean, you know, by him writing a novel where a gentleman is leaning over and seductively biting a young lady on, you know, her unclad neck, you know, was like, was, was almost like pornography of the day, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you never got to see an undressed ankle, never mind a neck. So, you know. <laughs> so 
I, I tied that all together with, you know, like the, you know, the, the power and the, you know, the belief of, of everything and stuff like that to my persona. So. Yeah, see, I, I could just see you now, like, you know, you, you are just kind of like what you talked about earlier. You know, you are a vampire and you do shows to seduce people and acquire what you need. I mean, one of my friends keeps keeps teasing me because he says, "Well, you know, you're you're kind of getting up there in age, and uh, <laughs> you know, seeing you, I'm seeing you more as like almost like a Lucifer type thing, like where you're bartering for people's souls, and uh, you know." Oh, there know. you go. I go well. Hmm. I don't know. I'm the Lord of the Underworld. Like, how do you know that I'm not both? <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for a bargain on your soul or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sign on the dotted line, but you know. So I, how do you? All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just sort of like I want to leave people with like you know something. I, I want them to leave a show with instead of like clapping or going, isn't that clever? I want them to like have the experience, experience the paranormal, and like yes, yeah. you want to traumatize them, in other words. <laughs> yeah, I want them to like be, shake up their world a little bit, where like they're not so comfortable. You know, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Do you? How do you incorporate your your character into the show itself? I'm I'm presenting the things as, and that's why I you know everything I have to look at that I present, mm-hmm. and there needs to be a reason why I'm presenting it, or there doesn't have to be a conflict in my in my personal biography, like. I I don't I have yet to find any kind of a reason why my persona or my you know any of my storylines would have anything to do with money or coins. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is during the time period like the Victorian times you know he would have had a rent you know Vlad would have had a Renfield or or a valet Right. He would have paid the bills, and he wouldn't have walked around with loose change or money on him. So is money significant? You know, and it's like the only reason it would be is, if, you know, one of these coins belonged to Jack the Ripper's victim, or one of these coins was dragged up from the Titanic. You know, or there has to be some reasoning behind it, rather than, I'm doing it because this is a cool trick. You know, I don't. I don't want. I, I. I want my audience to be smarter than that. I want them to, to just be able to kick back and know that there's not going to be any garbage or filler there. It, that it's all going to be stuff that's the content. You know, whatever you see in the theme of the evening is going to be tied to that theme of the evening. There's not going to be stuff in there that's just thrown in for the sake of yeah. You know, I needed 15 minutes, so you know, <laughs> it's, it's all got to be congruent to what we're speaking about, you know? Hmm. I, cool. I, might be, I might be more, you know, overthinking these things than is necessary, but, you know, I hopefully, hopefully it comes across in the quality of the, you know, the evening. So, so in all, all your performances, there is a, a common three, uh, theme that goes through the entire show. In other words, like you said, it's not, uh, disjointed at all. It 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 follows a a pattern. Yeah, yeah. The same.
same way as if you, if you go see a Broadway production, you know, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to have crossover in the middle of like, you know, Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis. It's all going to be mm. one, you know, beginning, middle, end, and it's just going to be all, you know, different things. And I have parts that, you know, involve the audience and some parts are just, you know, a part where the audience, I mean, the audience is involved to some extent in the entire evening. But mm-hmm. some parts I'll have like one person up there and sort of focus on that one person. And then other times I'll have three or four people up there and, you know, we'll do, you know, a mini sitting at a table where they can all share in the experience at the same time, you know. I mean, and I try and do shows that are not overly large. I don't, you know, I, I had an, an opportunity and I know I'll be probably many magicians would kick me in the butt. For <laughs> but I was at Trans World, which I don't know if you are familiar with it, which is the big giant like haunted house and theme park Halloween and trade show. Oh, wow. And uh, I was talking to Dee Schneider. Who oh! Used to be in Twisted, Twisted Sister. Sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he put out a theme. He put out a themed music album called Van Helsing's Curse, ah. which was sort of. It was sort of a. It was sort of like they were trying to do the same thing that Midnight Syndicate did. And, uh, you know, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, I, I I saw you here doing stuff and everything. You know, did you want to talk to D? And you know, like, you know, if you want to have your people talk to us, and you know, we could see." And I go, "Well, let me just ask you, what size?" And he goes, well, you know, what what size shows are you comfortable with? And I go, I go, I usually don't want any more than like a hundred and a hundred, you know, hundred people. I go, because then you lose the intensity of the stuff. And he goes, oh, oh, it's not going to really work out then, because we're looking, you know, we're looking at theaters that are like three thousand people and above. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I am not, I go, you know, there's a reason I never wanted to be David Copperfield. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, Vlad, if people want to find out more about your performances, your shows, and more about you, where can they do that? Two places. They can either go to my website, which is gothicmagic.com, or they can, of course, find me on, you know, Facebook and, uh, you know, Instagram and all the other good things. But Facebook, it is the, the Gothic Magic of Vlad. All right. Gothic Magic of Vlad. And the other one was, uh, what was that? Gothicmagic.com. Gothicmagic.com. Okay. But, you know, I just never wanted to do that big because it's, you know, and I know illusionists probably will go, but, you know, it's like when people see illusions, they're fascinated. And I think it's more because of the staging and the production values and things like that because they look at it, and I think in the back of some people's minds they go, I don't know what happened, but if I had that box, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing too, Vlad, is is that when you're dealing with a large audience, is I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm sure you're the same way. You, you want to make it intimate. You want you, whoever's in there to feel like you're talking to them alone, mm-hmm. basically, and. You know, in a larger venue, it's difficult to do it. I mean, even in my own events, I I don't really want you know a large, large thing because I think you lose that where you where you have the you don't have that intimacy. You know, uh, your your relationship with with each and every member of the audience. 
Yeah, and it gets diluted, and it's like sort of like in the back of your mind. You know, it's to me, I take it personally that someone took the time out of their day to come see my show and pay their hard-earned money. I mean, we did a show when we were doing it in Salem, and uh, people bought tickets one time, and it was like because it was early in the day, and uh, it was like it was a, it was. A guy. Is that the one you were doing with Danny? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, and go we ahead. Did it. And we did it, and uh, it was early in the day, and there was nobody roaming around early in the day in Salem. So right. it was a guy, his wife, and and a, and a small child. And uh, he goes, we really want to see the show, and we've heard about it, and, uh, you know, we have to be back on the bus. And I go, mm, there's no one else here. I go, can you wait? I go, can you get coffee or something and come back and see if some, some people are here for the next show? And he goes, yeah, but, you know, that's probably, like, pretty much, like, you know, as, as long as we can wait. So they waited, you know, like another 40 minutes till our next show, and nobody else came. Oh. And, oh. And, the guy, and the guy said, you know, he's like, well, you know, we understand if you don't want to do the show, you know, but we really wanted to see it, you know, but, you know, we'll we'll take a refund. If I go, you know what? No, no. I go, you know, if you guys don't, I go, it, it's going to be taken for granted that you'll be selected because because there's three of you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're willing to do the show for you if you want to see it. I said, we will do, and he goes, you'll do a show for three people? I go, yeah, I will. Ah. I, go, I, I will I will do a show for three people because uh, uh. you waited and you wanted to see it, and your money is the same as anyone else's money. I go, so I, I will do the show for you. So we did the show for them, and it's like sort of like, they were like wow, that was, that was like a personal private engagement. You know, we love that. <laughs> hey, you know, it's like you guys came and wanted to see the show so you know i i i think i actually remember seeing that show uh years and years ago uh yeah you were there like when we did it at life and death in salem i think that's where it was yeah Yeah. oh life and death though that was uh yeah life and death it was nicole's place that we did stuff there we did in that theater we did it there at that theater and then we did an art gallery and then we did a (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people would love this. We did a church that was in Salem. <laughs> you know? Oh, cool. Oh, the gathering. Yeah, that was yeah, we did there and we did the uh Universalist church. So Oh, you did there too. The, the gathering yep. was such a cool place and and it's so sad that that you know it's gone, but uh Yeah. Uh yeah, well, that was out in Salem. It's like sort of like, you know, it's like it's 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 almost like a it's almost like a John's bargain store. It's like you know, <laughs> there. If you come back next year, it might not be there, so you better see it. Pretty now, much, you know. And, yeah. But you know, thankfully, Danny and I, from the beginning, made a guarantee that if you came to see our show, that if you didn't like the show, and we were the only one, and there's good reasons for it, we were <laughs> the only ones that would say, if you do not like our show, at the end of the show. You come back and talk to us, and if you didn't like the show, we will give you your money back. Oh wow, wow. that's pretty good. Yeah. And in ten ever... years, we had we had one person ask for their money back, and it was a magician, and he ah. sat in the back with his arm crossed during the entire thing. And ah. he goes, I, I want to talk to you about getting my money back, and I go, okay, I have no problem doing it, but I'm going to ask you why. And he goes, well, you said you know I could get my money. I go, yeah, I did. And I'm all I'm asking is like your reason behind it. And mm-hmm. he goes, there weren't enough tricks. 
(laughs) What's your reason besides you just being a giant jerk? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it was like, it was basically, I said, so basically there wasn't enough for you to be able to steal. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Now I wanted to see more stuff. I go like, that's a dealer demo. That's not a show. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Salem, of course, also had the magic shop, which is still there. Amazingly. That's one of the things that has been forever. Uh, Have you, you must be well familiar with it. I am. They tried to actually, when I first moved up there, he was like, oh, you know, I could, you know, if you want to, you know, you could, you could, you know, during October, I'll put you out in the tent out there and you can demo magic. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, uh, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, uh, I appreciate the offer, but I can make more money on my own than demoing right. magic. Uh-huh. Like, my own show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No less than a tent in October where you can freeze your butt off. Too. Well, there are lots well, of things. You're out there freezing your butt it. and you're trying to hawk merchandise yeah. like when people yeah. like are walking. You know, and that's why I don't do, I don't do street magic because uh-huh. if people are walking through that crowd, there's no obligation for them to stop and engage with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in one year we, you know, we sort of like got, they messed us up and like they didn't, we, they were like, well, you know, you guys can't use this for, uh, you know, this building is not slated. I, I don't think we paid the right person is their attitude. <laughs> uh, so they tried to tell us that we, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't in a building that was slated for public events. And I go, there's a dance studio upstairs. So, so you can't say, well, uh, you know, I go, yeah, okay. I, I understand. <laughs> you know. So we ended up like going, we split the day and like Danny and Sean did street magic during the day. And then we went up and performed up at Fright Kingdom during the nights. Um, But I was like, I'm like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing like standing here, putting a hat on the ground and doing magic for people that don't want to hear a story. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, what are you going to do? And I go, you know what? You're going to do magic. And I'm going to stand next to you with my sign here and says, take a picture with Vlad, the vampire king of New England. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, you're going to have them tip you to take a picture with you. I go, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. And I made money. (laughs) Probably more than he did. Right. Yep. Stand back. I'm doing it. He's like, I'm doing a straitjacket escape and they just tipped you 20 bucks to take a picture. And I go, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> <What'd you learn? laughs> oh god there you go so you, you ever coming back up here Vlad are you ever going to visit I'm going to try it's like because I have a buddy that lives in Myrtle Beach that has never ever seen and he does you know bizarre magic and I go you gotta mm-hmm. go and he goes, I've never been to Salem I'd love to see it and he goes it's on my bucket list and I'm like well if I can work out some kind of a thing where we can get a couple of something happening you know, to offset the expenses, like maybe I'll bring you up there and we can roam around. And you can always yeah. see me. I can surely find something for you guys to do for sure. Okay, <laughs> that'll be great. You know that. Yeah. Been dying to get you. Like... Dying to get you back up here. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I miss it. You know, I miss it. I miss the area. I miss the atmosphere. And I, mm. you know, I, I no way in any way of speaking miss the snow and cold. I do miss like when they try and pawn off something that's like three inches long as a lobster down here, you know, and I'm like, yeah, 
<laughs> exactly. And they want to charge like, you an exorbitant amount of money for it as well. Yeah, I'm like, that's lobster food. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's what lobsters eat. They don't, like, no. Like, it's, I, and I go, when I used to go to Market Basket, you know, it was like $6 for a lobster, and they would cook it for you in the store. And you go, yeah, those days of $6 lobsters are not around anymore. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. <laughs> Even <Yeah>. up here. <laughs> Unfortunately, with the, especially today's day, times. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, all the stuff we got used to is like sort of, you know, it's like, you know, all the different things in your like, oh. Like, even, even a dollar store is now a dollar and a quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of those things. And it's like, and, I, and I, I sort of think back and it's like some of the people don't think that any of these things make. And I go, another thing that makes me sad is that kids today are never going to understand what it's like to walk through a toy store. Ah. Right. Yeah. I go, they, uh. they're used to seeing like Walmart and Target. I go, <laughs> but they've never seen a KB or Us or, or any of those. I'm like, yeah. there's right. a wonder about being in a toy store. I said, or a hobby store. I said, oh, they yeah. Used to, you know, back in the day, they used to sell monster model kits and stuff. I go, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I go, but. Yeah, I had the creature from like, the. the the Black Lagoon when I was a, a yeah. young lad. And, uh, I mean, now now it's all like, oh, I got it on Amazon. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I went yeah. to Walmart and it was one-stop shopping. And I'm like, uh, the same way, same with Radio Shack, Vlad. I mean, the, the uh, Radio, Radio Shack, Shack was an awesome place when you needed anything electronics, whether it components or whatever they had at all. And it yeah. was great. That was such a great place. I mean, that's the, yeah, my husband the hardware, worked there for the years. Store of, hardware store of the uh, electronics. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Yep. Tom, Tom worked there when we were dating for years. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up. That was the bell, which means the vampires from the dead are outside my door. So <laughs> I, have to get my I, I thought, it, I thought it was a delivery of Girl Scout cookies. But that's With okay. pizza. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Girl Scouts, but that's about it. <laughs> Uh, Vlad, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great uh, catching up with you and uh, finding out what's new and exciting down in uh, uh, your neck of woods. Yeah, yeah. Down, down on this side of the Mason-Dixon lines. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a pleasure always speaking with you both. You know, yeah, that was great. So, you know, thank you. I'd keep keep an eye out, like I said, on you know GothicMagic.com and the Gothic Magic of Vlad on Facebook, and you'll see all the upcoming creepy stuff. Yeah, I, check it out. I just it's, put a link it, on that on our Ghost Chronicles page. Excellent. And, uh, Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's well worth uh, going to some of these uh, events because, uh, you know, I've known Vlad for a long while, and he does an excellent job. In that for so uh, definitely check it out. Anyways, we do have to wrap it up. Uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation and with Ian and Ron. Our special guest has been uh, Vlad. And we are brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our super-duper good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. You, too, can become a member and a supporter of this show on Patreon. Go to Ghost Chronicles Radio, and you get access to 30 different videos, that, uh, at least 30, that no one else sees. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Vlad. Good night. God bless. Stay safe. Thanks, everybody. Good night.
From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.